Can't believe this school year has ended. It seems like yesterday, that hot, sunny August Sabbath at the end of the month, we're gathered here to, to inaugurate a new year, and now it's wet and cold in April. But God has been with us through the entire journey, and I wanted to hit the pause button in worship today to give us an opportunity to let some people know how grateful we are for what they have given to us, Sabbath after Sabbath after Sabbath. There are two pieces of paper in your worship bulletin. Would you pull these two out, please? One looks like this. It's a nice card stock. Big words, thank you at the top. And then there's this little uh, light blue light blue sheet worship survey. I want to draw your attention to both today. We've been going through some reconfiguration in campus ministries. You've heard about it, perhaps. I know the faculty have all been alerted to it. We have a new campus chaplain who's not new. He's our friend and he's been here for a while, but his name is Chaplain Jay, Jay Fitzalvera. He is now the he is now the lead chaplain on campus and he has two associates. Chaplain Tim Nixon over in New Life and Chaplain Jose Borchet right here in the Pioneer Church. Spent over an hour with Jay this last week just thinking about the new year. We're already strategizing for the end of August 2012. I am very excited. Something that's kind of gone under the radar screen this year by intention is that Pioneer is now the sponsor of three worship services on this campus. We have the New Life uh, Fellowship and Worship Community that meets every Sabbath, and we've been sponsor of New Life for years. And then, of course, there is this congregation and two services, two worship communities. We've started a new service called One Place. And as we sat down this last week, Chaplain Jay and I, the thought occurred to him and he passed it on to me and I thought, you know what, this is brilliant. Because we're all three a part of the same mothership, as it were. What if in the new year... The last Sabbath of August, we have a three-worship community joint unity service. And so plans are now going to start rolling, pulling all three chaplains in, because each chaplain is assigned to one of those three uh, worship communities, and begin the, the, the long process of fine-tuning what we're doing here, what's happening in one place, what's happening in new life, so that the three of us, these three worshiping communities, can lock arms for the kingdom of Christ this new year. And I think that's going to be very significant and very special. So that's our summer task. We've got our work cut out. And Jay is saying, hey, listen, Dwight, let's also have the opening chapel of the year, the three worshiping communities leading out in that. Let's just send the message loud and clear. We are all in this journey together. And I love that kind of leadership. I love that kind of vision. And I'm looking forward to partnering, partnering with all three chaplains. But today marks the end of this worship community's journey through the school year. And this white card that you have in front of you, 125 volunteers. Can you believe that? 125 volunteers who make this service, these two services, but they are dominantly in our second service, make these services possible. There's no way we can take the time to read every single name. You have your praise music team and look at all the names there and then you have your media ministry. I tell you what, hours and hours and hours, hundreds and hundreds of human hours invested. No pay, volunteer, but make our worship possible Sabbath after Sabbath. And I am honored and I know you are grateful as well. I want to draw your attention to uh, just, a, just a couple, three names, and you're always stepping off the edge when you do this, but I want to do it anyway. I want to notice that Joshua Goins right down there at the bottom of the first column. Joshua is our keyboard and our minister of music for the, for the worship team every Sabbath. Joshua's mother died in the middle of the school year, and it was a, it was a stunning loss to him. But you know what? He just kept coming back to that piano bench Sabbath after Sabbath after Sabbath. And I am so grateful for that kind of talent and commitment. Tassiana Berman. She's near the bottom of the, the uh, second, the middle column. And Tassiana has been leading our singing and our lead vocalist. And this is going to create a very interesting conundrum now because she has just gotten engaged a few days ago to the son of the New Life Church pastor. 
and we're going to have to figure out the loyalties that she has, or we're going to hang on to her as much as we can. I have a little leverage, not much, with Chaplain Nixon, but uh, I'm going to exude all that's there to hang on to Tassiana. And Tassiana, we congratulate you and Michael. Michael's at uh, law school right now, but you're going to make a wonderful couple for the kingdom of Christ. And then we have our own Chaplain Jose, who has been here faithfully Sabbath after Sabbath. This is the first time we've really gone to a paradigm like this, having a campus chaplain just take over from stem to stern. And Chaplain, you have done a masterful job. It's an honor to be on the team with you. We have, we have all been blessed. Put your hands together for all of these who have made worship possible Sabbath after Sabbath after Sabbath. Ah. That's what volunteer ministry is all about. When the Connect card comes your way in just a few moments and it'll say, I'd like to join a Pioneer team, you put a check mark there. Notice the little, little, little invitation at the top. You want to be a part of one of these teams? Video, audio, music, it doesn't matter. Let us know. Call that number or check the Connect card. We'll be in touch with you. We're building now. We're building for the new chapter already. And then the media team, of course. Look at all those names. I want to mention three of them because I've had the privilege of working with these three. These guys are night and day once it hits Friday noon because we huddle at Friday noon or 12.30 and then they spend the next 12, 18 hours getting ready for Sabbath morning. And I'm talking about the PowerPoint artists who bless us Sabbath after Sabbath. I see right here Jana DeWin, physics major, junior, brilliant mind, and just a, she's just a young woman who says, hey, I'll give time, and she has been doing this all school year. I'm so grateful for her. Just a couple down, Jean-Marc Kessler has a double major. He's religion and speech auditory, and John is a sophomore, Jean-Marc is. He's here week after week. Turn the page over, and you have Robin Hardy there in the third column. Robin is music, plays in the wind symphony. Robin's running the uh, slides today. I am personally grateful for these. And if I had Nick Wolfer up here to give thanks to all who are a part of our media team, he would say the same. We've just, we've just put our hands together for the worship team. How about putting your hands together for these guys who are always on the other side of the camera working so that we have what we have every single Sabbath. If you were not here last Sabbath, most of you were, but if you were not here last Sabbath, this little blue sheet with the QR code up in the corner is an invitation for you to analyze and give us some very candid evaluation of, of how worship has gone this year. Nobody leads without wanting to hear how can we raise the bar. And our leadership team on the worship, uh, uh, our worship team, the leaders are eager to know how can we raise the bar for the new year. So would you take a moment before the service is over? If you want to do it the old-fashioned way, fill this out. We got a stack of them last week. But if you want, and you didn't fill it out last week, drop it in the offering plate. It'll come by in just a few moments. Just put it in. Otherwise, do the QR code. You're right to the website. You can just do it all on your smartphone. Or just go to the website yourself with your laptop. Let us know. One Place is evaluating what they're doing. New Life is evaluating what they're doing. Pioneer is evaluating what we're doing because we want to be the best we can be for the kingdom of Christ. And so thank you. God go with you, as Jose has just mentioned, into the adventure of summer. Shades of green. This is a beautiful piece. Sit back. Let your heart be prepared for the word as our Academy Bell Ensemble ministers to us. Thank you. 
Let's pray together. Oh God, those shades of green, we could see them. This is the season of green. You are the creator, we are your children. All of us, your creatures. In Holy Scripture, please engage our minds, address our hearts one last time as we head out into the waiting new season before us. In Jesus' name, amen. If Jesus were to suddenly appear right here in worship, right in front of you, and got in your face and asked this question, what would you answer? All right? So he's looking in your eyes, you and Jesus, and he asks you, do you love me? How would you answer? I wonder if we might answer like Golda did to uh, Tevye in that classic scene in Fiddler on the Roof. Remember Fiddler on the Roof? You've seen it. Those of you that don't know, Tevye is a poor Russian Jewish farmer. He's just come in out of that dilapidated barn into their little home on a Friday afternoon. The Sabbath is about to arrive. The three daughters are scurrying around outside. At, but Tevye is inside, and he must ask his wife of 25 years a question he has never asked her before. Do you love me? I found a YouTube clip of this moment, so take a look at this and kind of relive the memories. All right, let's go. Love. Boulder, do you love me? Do I what? Do you love me? Do I love you? Well? With our daughters getting married and this trouble in the town, you're upset, you're worn out. Go inside, go lie down. Maybe it's indigestion. Uh, no, Golda, I'm asking you a question. Do you love me? You're a fool. I know. But do you love me? Do I love you? Well... For 25 years I've washed your clothes, cooked your meals, cleaned your house, given you children, milked your cow. After 25 years, why talk about love right now? Golden, the first time I met you was on our wedding day. I was scared. I was shy. I was nervous. So was I. But my father and my mother said we'd learn to love each other. And now I'm asking, Golda, do you love me? I'm your wife. I know. But do you love me? Do I love him? Well? Oh, you can't ever love that moment, can you? <laughs> do you love me? And if Jesus were to ask us that question this morning in our face... What would we answer? Like Golda, look, look at it, I've been going to church all my life. I've returned the tithes. I've kept the Sabbath. What do you mean, do I love you? No, but do you love me? Everybody who has read the fourth gospel knows that it ends with Jesus asking that penetrating question. Do you love me? The question is for us third millennials, what's the answer going to be? Open your Bible. Let's go. Let's go. Last time. The last narrative of the last chapter of the last gospel on this last Sabbath of the school year, John 21. Open your Bible to John 21, a fitting episode for the last time in this fourth gospel. John 21. You didn't bring a Bible. Oh, you've got to track this. John 21. Grab the pew Bible in front of you. It's page 732. What are we going to call this teaching? Let's put it on the screen. Let's call this Requiem for a Loser. Requiem for a loser. The last days. By the way, the, the, uh, just a reminder, the, the fourth gospel series divided into two parts. The last word is the first semester. The last days, the last semester. You didn't get any of these teachings? Go to the site. All the videos are archived there. All the study guides. Let's pick it up. John 21. This is the New King James Version, as is your pew Bible. John 21, 1, after these things, Jesus showed himself again. We were just with Thomas and Mary last week, so now this is following that uh, narrative. 
After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. Only John calls Lake Galilee Tiberias. For reasons known to him, the Sea of Tiberias. And in this way, he showed himself. Okay, so here is how it happened. Verse 2, Simon Peter, we know him. We saw his meltdown. Thomas called the twin. We were with him last week, patron saint of higher education. Nathaniel of Cana, remember him at the beginning of the journey. When he came walking in and the fellows are all standing around Jesus, he points at him and he said, I want, I want you to see a life that has no smear, no stain. He is absolutely transparent. This is that same Nathaniel. The sons of Zebedee, the first time in the gospel and the last, it appears. John Boy and his older brother James. And then two unnamed disciples. Two other disciples of his were together. And verse 3, Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, we're going with you also. And so they went out and immediately got into the boat. And that night they caught nothing. Requiem for a loser. I have looked on the men and women in our community and the young adults on this campus who have fallen in a moral meltdown. I have watched them. The shame. The stigma. The sorrow. I was going through a stack of birthday letters, signing the letters. I come to a letter that belongs to a man who in humiliation fled our community practically under the cover of darkness. And I am ashamed to confess to you that when I came to that letter, pen in hand, I thought to myself, maybe I just scribble no message at all. I'll just, I'll just, I'll just sign it. Oh, no. I'll tell you what, I'll scribble something so illegible he'll never be able to read it, which is, of course, what happens every time I write one of these letters. (laughs) I say, no, 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 what I'll do, I'll deep six it. I'll drop it in file 13. He won't even know that the letter got thrown out. He'll think, look, look, I guess I'm off their list. Requiem for a loser. Requiem is Latin, and it means rest, but here's the question. Is there ever any rest for a brother or sister who has fallen on this campus, who has fallen in this community? What did Peter say here? I'm going fishing. I love that. Because what happens next is a shining testimony to Peter's bros. They instantly step out. Yo, you're not going alone. We're going with you. I love that about them. Because let's face it, Peter has publicly, Peter has publicly shamed the name of Jesus Christ in the most humiliating way possible. When all the attention around that campfire, remember, when all the attention around that campfire was pinned on him, he cried out, read my lips, and somebody on the balcony was hearing it all. Read my lips, I have never known that blankety-blank-blank man in my life. You can't fall more dramatically and publicly than the way Peter had just done. I say, I tell you what, it is a testimony to his circle. When he says, I'm going fishing, we're going, you're not going to be alone. Verse 3, so Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. And they said to him, we're going with you also. And they went out and immediately got into the boat. And that night they caught nothing. The once full Passover orb is now in its waning sliver. But it's still, it is still picture perfect tonight. The lake calm. The silver left of the moon reflected on those waters. It's beautiful, but it's depressing. Because guess what? Peter is not only morally fallen, he is now professionally failing. And I have seen it time and time again when a man goes through moral meltdown and he falls. Beyond his control, there is a professional failing that accompanies the moral falling. It's sad. No fish. All night. How does the record read? And they caught nothing. Zero. Nada. Nothing. I tell you what, there's nothing worse than nothing, is there? Nothing to show for the class. A whole semester and I failed it. Nothing 
to show for sales the entire month. Nothing. No fizz, no sparkle left in your marriage. Nothing. No advancement, no promotion. Nothing. No success with your social fishing on campus. Nothing. No resources, no money, no nothing. There's nothing like nothing to make you feel a failure faster. And they caught, and they caught nothing. Very interesting. The same Greek word Jesus uses in the upper room when he declares to the disciples, without me you can do nothing. Maybe that's the point. Verse 4. But when the morning had now come, Oh, hit the pause button right there. When the morning had now come, I love that. Beyond every midnight of nothing, there still comes the morning of promise. Midnight is the not, not, not the last word. I'm thinking of that uh, gospel song that Gloria and Bill Gaither uh, wrote and sang. You, you remember this one? Then came the morning. Oh. Night turned into day. The stone was rolled away, hope rose with the dawn. Then came the morning, shadows vanished before the sun. Death had lost and life had won, for morning had come. Hallelujah. After your midnight, there will always come a morning. Don't give up. I don't care how this year is ending on your analysis and on your spreadsheet of evaluation, but don't give up. There's a morning always that follows a midnight. Mm. All right, verse 4 again. But when the morning had come, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Then, verse 5, Jesus said to them, Children, have you any food? One translator says it ought to be, Lads. Another says it ought to be, Yo, friends, caught anything yet? And they answered him, No. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. (laughs) The boy's got the story down. (laughs) He's going to be a preacher, Rodney. That's your boy. (laughs) Pastor, he's going to be a preacher. You go. They cast and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of the fish. You know, commentators suggest that the reason... The disciples had cast their net on the left side is because the steering oar is on the right side and nobody's going to cast a net over the oar. But Desire of Ages comes along and adds this insight. Let me put it on the screen for you. This classic devotion on the life of Jesus. I hope you'll read it through someday soon. The words on the screen, Jesus had a purpose in bidding them cast their net on the right side of the ship. For on that side, he stood upon the shore. That was the side of faith. If they labored in connection with him, his divine power combining with their human effort, they could not, read those last three words, they could not what? Fail of success. You will not fail. If you cast your net on the side Jesus is on. Look, I know. All of your friends are over here. They say, yo, come on over here. Jesus says, no, 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 no. Cast your net this direction. For where I am, it is always the right side. All your family's over here and say, what got into you at that university? You're getting a little fanatical on us? Who cares? Jesus said, I'm over here. I'm on the right side. Cast your net this way. Because when you cast your net on the right side, you are always casting to Christ himself. How did that line go? They could not fail of success. Your career points you, hey, you got to go this way. Now that you're finishing up, Andrews, go this way. Jesus says, no, 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 no. I'm over here. Throw your net my direction. It's not about you becoming a grand success for the headlines of earth to pick up. It's about you becoming my disciple and saving this world and this generation. Wow. Verse 7, therefore, because they draw, they're drawing in the net and it's full. Therefore, the disciple whom Jesus loved, John Boy, said to Peter, Yo, it's the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer gar- garment, for he had removed it, and he plunged into the sea. He's so excited he did it backwards. You don't get dressed when you jump in the water. You hold your clothes over your head and paddle ashore. But he just said, I got to go. 
Verse 8, but the other disciples came in the little skiff, that little boat, for they were not far from land, about 200 cubits, 300 feet, dragging the net of fish. Then as soon as they had come to land, they saw a fire of coals there and fish laid on it. Isn't that amazing? How often we discover that while we are fretting about coming up with nothing, not a nothing, not a nothing, all the while God is already at work and Jesus is frying up breakfast for you. It looks like nothing to you, but it doesn't look like nothing to him. He's ready in advance. Reminds me of this great line. Jot this down because there's no study guide today. You need to keep this promise near you as you head off into the adventure of summer. Isaiah 65, verse 24, God speaking. It shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer. Before you even ask, I'm answering. And while they are still speaking... I will hear. It may feel like nothing to you right now, my friend, but good news, he has already made provision for you. Now we come to the heart of the story. Verse 10. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish which you have just caught. And so Simon Peter went up and dragged the net to the land full of large fish, 153. And scholars have racked their brains. There's some mystical, there's some mysterious, there's some divinely significant reason for this number. No, not at all. Listen, when you're a poor fisherman, you're a poor fisherman, and the deal is we split the catch among us. You will remember the total amount of fish. Divide by seven. And that's what I get. And so John, that number just stuck with him. 153 we caught in a tiny little net. Obviously miraculous. Although there were so many, the net was not broken. Keep, keep, keep going. Verse 12, Jesus said to them, come and eat breakfast. Yet none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? Knowing that it was the Lord. Jesus said, came and took the bread and gave it to them and likewise the fish. Wouldn't you just love sitting around a campfire with Jesus and having him pass the, uh, the food to you? The toast never burned. The fish. Wow. Now, verse 14. This is the third time Jesus showed himself to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. So, here we go now. When they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, son of John, do you love me more than these? Scholars believe he's pointing at the fish. More than this, do you love me? And Peter said to Jesus, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. None of this, ah, I tell you what, everybody else may desert you, but I will die for you. It's all gone. It's gone. Shamed by his failure. Just a quiet, you know, Lord, that I love you. Jesus said to Peter, feed my lambs. Verse 16, Jesus said to him again a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Tend my sheep. Jesus said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he had said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Three times. Three times you declared with curses that you never knew me. Three times in public, I also ask you, do you love me? Three denials. Three confessions. Three restorations. Do you love me? Do you? Verse 18, Jesus Speaking now, most assuredly I say to you... Whoa, 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 whoa. There it is, number 25. The last of that literary device of John's. We've been tracking them all through this gospel. Double amen. Amen, amen. When you see two amens right side by side, you know that something huge is about to be spoken. The last, number 25. You just read it. Amen, amen. I say to you, Peter, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. 
This Jesus spoke, signifying by what death Peter would glorify God. And when Jesus had spoken this, he said to Peter, Follow me. Follow me. I know we all have to admit, we must admit, that the story of Jesus forgiving and restoring Peter into his inner circle of disciples is truly one of the great finales of all sacred history. I mean, you think about it. John opens his gospel with the call of Peter. John dutifully records the fall of Peter. And now, hallelujah, John ends his gospel with the forgiving of Peter. I'll tell you what, ladies and gentlemen, all over it are the fingerprints of the profound lover of Calvary, the Savior of the world. His fingerprints all over this ending. No matter how awful your sin, no matter how far, far your fall, my grace is sufficient for you. For where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. Give you, restore you, follow me if you want to. For there are some who fall, and this is what is so heartbreaking. There are some who fall who do not want to unfall. You can't believe it, but so strong is the draw of the dark kingdom. Thus is the tale of two men that early Friday morning in Gethsemane. They both fell. They both could be restored at this moment around the same campfire. One fell and begged to be unfallen. The other fell and determined to stay fallen. And thus the difference between Peter and Judas. Same master. Same grace. Same drawing. But Judas says, I'm not going back. What a tragic Tragic contrast. Requiem for a loser? Are you kidding? This is restoration for a sinner. Hallelujah. A restoration that begins with, do you love me? And ends with, follow me. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the last truth of the last story. Do you love me? Really means, I'll put this on the screen for you. Will you follow me? That's the truth of what we just read. Robert Smith, in his wonderful book, Wounded Lord, reading the fourth gospel through the eyes of Thomas, put uh, Smith's words on the screen for you. Take a look at this. This was insightful for me. Only in the fourth gospel is the bond uniting disciples to Jesus described as love. Nowhere in the synoptics is it called love. John says, no, no, this is love. When Jesus three times asked Peter, do you love me? He is really asking, will you be my disciple, whatever the cost, or not? In other words, will you follow me? You see, do you love me really means, will you follow me? Craig Keener in his majestic two-volume commentary that we have been tracking through this entire series puts it this way. I put uh, Keener's words on the screen for you. The point of the passage has nothing to do with the supposed difference between two Greek terms for love, as some try to make it to be. There's no difference there. But the, dip, the point of the passage has everything to do with the way love for Jesus is expressed in this gospel. How is it expressed in this gospel? Obeying. John 14, 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. Obeying. That's how love to Jesus is expressed. You obey him. Keep reading. Which implies, by the way, you see this line? Which implies utter self-sacrifice and potentially death. End quote. You see, do you love me really means will you follow me even to death? But by the way, not only follow him, to the death of martyrdom, the Peter is going to die. Most of us here, no doubt, will not die the death of a martyr. Which means that for us, okay, for, for most of us here, will you follow me to death means the death of old age, if time should last and Jesus doesn't come soon. Old age. I want you to change your glasses 
<coughs> excuse me, I want you to change your glasses and reread verse 18. Because with new glasses on, you're going to see it, a classic description of old age. Watch this. Verse 18 again, Jesus speaking, most assuredly, I say to you, Peter, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and walked where you wished. Boy, is that true on this campus. When you were young, you dressed yourself. Kind of wish sometimes, maybe. No. <laughs> when you were younger, you dressed yourself and you walked where you wished. But, now hold on, here it comes. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not wish to go. That is old age. I've had a chance to see it up close and personal with my mother-in-law, such a classy and regal woman, by the way, Karen's mom, Virginia Oswald. Just a sweetheart. I've known her for years and always well manicured and dressed with such tasteful beauty. But as she aged, and she was living with us here in this community, as she aged, her mind and her memory began to dim until she couldn't remember which dress to wear or not to wear or how many days in a a row she's already worn it. And so her daughter had to become her dresser. No, Mom, no, Mother, not that dress again. Let's try this one today. And there she was, all dressed up and nowhere to go, sitting in that easy chair, until we would come and we would take her by the hand and we would lead her to the car and we would lead her to church and we would lead her to the house. We would lead her to the wheelchair. Until the day she died, this last September, was a Sabbath evening just before sundown. I am so grateful we both were there. We were holding her hand on either side of her, holding her hands, her eyes opened. And then she breathed her last. That's what happens in old age. When you're young, you dress yourself, you go where you want. But when you become old... Somebody else dresses you. Somebody else takes you where you don't want to go, but you have to go anyway. Do you love me? Will you follow me even unto death? Even to the death that comes at the end of what Nietzsche calls a long obedience in the same direction. Now look, I'm not in the habit of quoting atheists from this pulpit, but I'm going to do it today because Friedrich Nietzsche Quietly profound, these words of his, and I'll put it on the screen for you, the great, uh, the great atheist, the 20th century. The essential thing in heaven and earth, Nietzsche writing, the essential thing in heaven and earth is that there should be long obedience in the same direction. I'm going to hold that screen in front of your eyes for a moment. I want you to lock that phrase in your mind. Long obedience in the same direction. There thereby results, as has always resulted in the long run, something which has made life worth living. A long obedience in the same direction. Really does make life worth the living, doesn't it? I think of the hundreds of you in this community who live in a community dedicated to the young. Everything we do here is for the young. And what do you do, you who have sojourned long on this pathway? I look at you with utter admiration, talking about a long obedience in the same direction. Look at the way you faithfully live. Quiet, no fanfare. As you follow after this same Jesus, you're obedient to your Lord and your Master in your work. You're obedient to Him in your marriage. You're obedient to Him in your worship. You're obedient to Him in your retirement, a long obedience in the same direction. And I think to myself how lucky this congregation is to have people like you. Because life isn't only about the young. It's about those who are aging, slowly but surely. Do you love me? really means, will you follow me? And will you follow me means to your last breath. So Jesus is explaining all this to Peter. 
All right, he says, okay, so Peter, and they're walking, having a very private conversation, walking along the Sea of Galilee. When Peter suddenly notices some movement behind him, and he, he whirls around, it's John boy. What have you been eavesdropping on this whole conversation? Of course he did. That's why we had the conversation. But Peter and John are friends, fortunately. Wherever they appear in, in, in Acts, they always appear together. In the synoptics, they're always together. Young boy, older man, but fast friends. So Peter has just gotten the instructions about how he is going to die. So he turns to Jesus. He says, Jesus, Jesus, look at him. Tell me, how is he going to die? Now listen to how Jesus responds. Verse 22, Jesus said to Peter, If I will, if I wish that he, John boy, remain till I come, what is that to you? Polite way for saying, it's none of your business. You, three words in the Greek, three words in the English. You, follow me. Wow. Apparently, you can die two very different deaths, and the ending is the same. Peter, we know the story about Peter, don't we? Church tradition tells us that Peter, when he was taken to the imperial city on those seven hills of Rome, when he was led to his execution, they said, we're going to crucify you. He said, you can't crucify me. In the manner of my Lord, crucify me upside down. And he was nailed upside down, head down, feet up. He died because I cannot follow Jesus. I who denied him. Peter dies a bloody death. John? John boy becomes John the elder, the only one of the 12 who did not die a violent death. John the elder, an aged pastor who finally quietly breathes his last there in his parish in Ephesus. Two very different deaths alluded to here at the end of the fourth gospel. For you see, do you love me really means will you follow me no matter how you die because it doesn't matter how you die. The critical issue is how shall we live? How will you live? Which is why the last recorded words of Jesus. Can you believe that? You just read them. If you have a red letter Bible, are there any red words after those three? You follow me. The book ends with the call. You follow me. The year ends with the call. You follow so how should we answer? How should we answer? In this last moment we have together, I wish you'd take out your Connect card right now. I'd like to give you a way to answer at least two boxes to check. Take out the Connect card. You know this one that Chapman Jose just talked about, Pastor Jose, a moment ago? You filled in this part. Make sure we have your email because you're going to want something that you're going to check, I believe. You're going to want it. So put your email for sure on the front. Now turn the card over. My next step today is... And I hope everybody here, and those of you watching on uh, television or live streaming, we've got these cards on our website. You can, get the sa you can make the same response. I hope everybody here checks, I choose to follow the Jesus of John 21 to the end of my days, no matter how I die. Isn't that you? Oh, I want to put a check mark there. And then look at it. Here, here's number two. This summer... I would like a strategic plan to focus on Jesus while I'm away from campus because I'm coming back. But this summer, I'd like a way to focus on Jesus in my prayer life. Please send it to me. If you put your email address on the other side, we will send you that strategic plan all summer long. You can focus on Jesus. What does it mean to follow him? You can focus on him. You'll be fine. Some of you saw a baptism or two or three today, and the Holy Spirit was speaking to your heart, and he's saying, hey, listen, girl, boy, you follow me. And the time has come for you to make a decision. You're saying, Dwight, look, at I'm leaving. I'm leaving campus. Don't worry about it. We'll take care of it. We can wait. But why not make the decision on the cusp of the next chapter of your life? Over here in this little box, I want to begin a relationship with Jesus. Check there. I want information on baptism. Check there. We'll get the information to you. We have to have your email address, but we'll get the information to you. Why wait? Why not on this last moment make it the first moment, you and Jesus, whether you've walked with him all your life, or you're saying, I want to start a new chapter. In fact, here's how I want to end today. We don't do this with the Connect card, but I'm doing it today. I want to sing a little chorus, and I want to invite you, if you're a student, to commit yourself to walking with this same Jesus. Bring your card. Well, you'll turn it in in just a second, but uh, just, just hold your card with you. Would you mind coming forward, and let me have a prayer with you, a prayer that sends us out. 
We're going to sing a chorus. You know this. I have decided. You know that one? Yeah, let's sing that together. And while we're singing, if you're a student, Chapman Jose has already mentioned the categories here, but you know what? If you're a student at the university, undergraduate, graduate, it doesn't matter. I'm going to invite the others in a moment to join you, but I'm going to invite you first. Would you mind just coming forward? And let's have a prayer right here. We're going to start singing. And as we sing, bless you. As we sing, come forward, all right? I have decided to follow Sitting in the balcony, good. I see some of you going for the stair. Come on down. Just come on down. This is a wrap moment. You're in the overflow. You come as well if you'd like. But if you're a student in particular, if you're a student, undergraduate or graduate, come to the one who says, you follow me. Though no one join me, yet I will follow. Let's sing that. Though no one join me. stanza. Some of you have not come to Jesus before. And I'd love to have you today with this connect card, make that connection to Christ. You've not been baptized. You don't have to wait to be an old man, elderly woman. You can make the decision with all the energy of your young adulthood, but you make it for Christ. It'll never be simpler than today. If you need to check one of those boxes, I wish you'd do it right now. Then bring the box with you. We're going to sing one more stanza. Come on up. And you who are here, just go ahead and pull up all the way. Come right up to the stairs because we have people behind you. Come right in. Bless you. And let's sing, uh, how, how's it go? The cross before me, the world behind me. All right, let's do that. The cross before me. About the rest of us, this is a perfect time for us too to make the commitment. You know what, Jesus? You said, You follow me, I will by your grace follow you wherever you lead me. Wherever the next chapter is, I'm with you and you are with me. You want to join these who have made their confession clear? Stand to your feet. You can't, you can't crawl in the aisle now, but just stand to your feet. If you wish to say, Jesus, count me in on this. You said, you follow me, I follow you. Christ, risen Lord, soon coming Savior. Two millennia have fled by since that fireside moment. By the Galilee. But somehow... Amazingly, it's as if you're calling us right now. Do you love me? Do you really? Then follow me. And so we've responded. These who've come forward and are filling the aisles, oh, Christ Jesus, seal that decision. They go, they go out a committed man, a committed woman to you. Hold on to that commitment. Fresh way to focus on you every day of summer. Send that to them. Make it the chapter that's been waiting to be written. And dear God, some are saying, I come, I want to follow into the Jordan River with Christ Jesus, my Lord. Seal that decision. However many weeks that go by between now 
and the ratification of that decision. Stay close. Hold her close. Hold him close. And we stand because we wish in solidarity with these to share the journey. Some of us are nearing our last breath. We can't yet say how it is we will die. But Jesus, if you don't come soon, we will die. But when that moment comes, please, hold our hand. And we'll follow you straight into eternity one day on that resurrection morning. Seal it all, Jesus. Seal it all. We pray in your name. Amen.